That's a wonderful hymn uh, for us to sing, particularly before, just before we come uh, to God's Word. Uh, that's what we need. Okay, we need the illumination uh, of the Holy Spirit. And I do trust that's the desire of your hearts. Uh, this evening we're going to consider an account uh, from the life of Elisha. Uh, Elisha was uh, a prophet and he ministered after Elijah. Okay, it's very confusing. You can get them mixed up. Um, but something that characterizes his ministry uh, is miracles. Okay, if you read um, his ministry, there are a lot of miracles. And I want us to consider one of them tonight. Now, it's one of those miracles that doesn't seem to be as extravagant or impressive as some of the other miracles. And yet, as I hope uh, to show you this miracle uh, is very applicable to our lives and I trust it will be encouraging. So can you please open your Bible uh, to 2 Kings uh, chapter 6 which contains the miracle of the axe head. And uh, with that, our Bibles open we're going to pray and, uh, and then we'll walk our way through this portion of scripture. So let's pray. Father as we come uh, to your word uh, please open our eyes so that we can see, uh, please illumine uh, our minds, uh, help us to focus, help us to be uh, engaged, and uh, please uh, speak to us by your grace, help us to, to be receptive uh, to the message that you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, have you ever thought to yourself that uh, I don't want to bother God with this uh, particular problem or issue in my life, uh, because realistically, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. It's quite small and trivial compared to some of the other things that are happening in the world, like the Middle East chaos, the threat of worldwide terrorism, starvation in Africa, economic collapses, widespread persecution of Christians. Okay, there's a lot of very serious things unfolding in the world. Okay, should I really bother God with my problems? You know, since his agenda includes all of these big things, does he really have an interest in the issues that trouble me? You know, since he has more pressing matters to deal with than the small things going on in my life, then I don't want to bother the Lord. He has enough on his plate. Or have you thought, you know, I'm not sure that th this type of thing that I'm concerned about, uh, I'm not sure the Lord would be concerned about it because it doesn't seem to be that spiritual. So it wouldn't really matter to him, so I won't bother him with it. Have you ever had those thoughts? Okay, this thinking is something I believe is addressed in this miracle before us. Okay, compared to some of the other miracles in the Bible, this is actually quite small and trivial. It isn't feeding 5,000. It's not parting the Red Sea so Israel can get through and then the Egyptians are drowned. It's not healing some deadly disease. You know, even compared to some of the other miracles that Elisha performed, it's quite mundane. Okay, the Lord used Elisha to, to raise someone from the dead. Now that's super impressive. But recovering an axe head from the river... So what? Does that really matter? What, what's the big deal? And I think that's a common thought as this passage is considered. Who cares about the axe? 
But that's the beautiful thing. God cared about the axe. Okay, and this is the big idea of this text. God cares about the small things in the lives of ordinary people. So let's take a look at this account uh, that illustrates the care and provision of God even in the small things of life. The account begins with a problem, but it's one of those good problems. You know, there are some problems that are nice. Imagine this, I have too much money, I don't know what to do with it. That'd be a nice problem. That the church building is too small to fit everybody. You have three very good job offers. You aren't sure what one to take. Okay, there are some problems that are nice to have. And one such problem is seen in verse 1. And this particular problem actually reveals the immense impact of the ministry of Elisha. Notice verse 1, it says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. So the building where the prophets would be trained and educated, it was too small. Okay, so this was like their Bible college. It seems to be a live a live-in campus, and such were the enrollments that the facility was now too small. Okay, that's a nice problem. And what this tells us is that Elisha was not merely a traveling preacher and a, a miracle-working prophet, but we see here that he was involved in training others. Okay, Elisha is investing in the next generation. Okay, we, we could say that he was practicing the principle later revealed in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Okay, this is the key verse for our Bible college here. It's the key verse for the Bible college in Grafton that I attended. It says this, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Okay, so this was a key component of Elisha's ministry. Teaching others, training up others. And this is a vital aspect of all pastoral ministry. Okay, we as pastors are to be investing in the next generation. But understand, this is not something restricted to pastors. Okay, the book of Titus is one such example. There, we see that the older ladies are instructed to teach the younger. Okay, today, we refer to this as discipling relationships, where a mature Christian takes another Christian under their wing. Okay, that is meant to be part of the life of of the church. So question, is that something you've ever done? Have you ever discipled someone? Have you poured yourself into someone, invested in them, helped them to grow and develop and mature? Okay, this will be common in a healthy church. Now getting back to the text, the fact that the prophet training school was packed to the rafters, this tells us that Elisha was having a tremendous impact. Okay, this is something that is stressed in the text. And when we understand the background, that's astonishing. Because at this time in Israel's history, Baal worship was rampant. Okay, wickedness abounded. Ahab and Jezebel had been ruling. That The debauchery personified. Okay, it's very dark and wicked times. And yet even in such times, Elisha was having an impact. 
And that's very encouraging. Even in wicked and idolatrous times, the Lord was using Elisha to continue his work. Now, with the premises struggling to adequately accommodate, the students led the campaign to build a new facility. Okay, so this is their idea. We need a bigger building. Now, they seek the permission of Elisha. Okay, verse 2 says, Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. So, Elisha, we want to build bigger facilities. So, we're going to go to Jordan. Okay, if that was today, it would be like us saying, we're going to go to Bunnings. We're going to get some timber. But they had to go to Jordan. Why? Well, Jordan had a forest. Okay, it's full of trees. There they could cut the required timber. Okay, remembering there's no Bunnings and there's no other hardware franchises in ancient Israel. We could say the whole process was DIY, including cutting down the trees. So this is the request. Okay, verse 2 continues. Elisha gave his stamp of approval. It says, and he answered, go ye. So with the prophet's blessing, these preachers in training prepare for an adventure. Okay, they're going to go and acquire the required timber in order to construct this new building to house the ever-increasing and ever-growing prophet training program. But before they depart, one of the students invites Elisha. Now, maybe he was the teacher's pet. I'm not sure, but his invitation actually turned out to be crucial. Okay, notice in verse 3, this is, this is one of these things that's very easy to move past it quickly, but it's vital. It says, and one said, okay, that's one of the students, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servant. So invitation extended to Elisha, and he answered, I will go. Okay, this invites its a small and yet significant providence. Now, I, I love this definition of providence that I came across. God's fascinating and unguessable way of working out matters for the good of his people. That's a wonderful definition. God's fascinating and unguessable way of working out matters for the good of his people. Okay, and here it's, it's so basic and yet it's crucial because if Elisha wasn't invited there would have been no miracle. Okay, the, the axe would have been lost. It would have stayed in the muddy Jordan River. Okay, so here's the Lord working through what, what is a seemingly small and insignificant moment to ensure that the puzzle pieces are assembled to accomplish his plans and purposes. And my friend, this is how our God works. Okay, I understand with God, his providential hand is upon everything. Evenly, even seemingly small and trivial things in our lives. And although it doesn't always make sense to us, it's very comforting. And it's also astonishing that God is involved in our lives in this intimate way. Okay, this is our God. Our God is not some distant deity but his fingerprints are all over the details of your life and my life. 
Now, yes, sometimes his providence can be quite puzzling and even mysterious. But think about it. How amazing that that God, in fascinating and unguessable ways, works out matters for our good. That that the God of the universe is engaged and involved in our life in such detail. That's amazing. And, you know, in this particular situation, who would have thought that this unnamed student inviting Elisha would prove to be so vital? Now, having invited Elisha, the Bible college students, they gather what's required and they make the journey to the Jordan. Now, they begin cutting down the timber. No no doubt they're excited about the prospect of of a new premises, that they have a plan in mind. Maybe they they drew some plans, and they knew what timber would be required. So they examine the trees. They determine what ones would would be best suited to their purposes, and they begin cutting down the trees. All's going well. Chunks of wood are are flying around everywhere as as the axe hits the tree, some making a splash as it hits the the dirty waters of the Jordan River. So some others fly around and, and hit fellow students. All is going well. But then there was a problem. Okay, what one student, he, he lifted up his axe above his head, and as he goes to, to swing it down, the axe head went flying off the handle. Can, can you visualize that? Okay, the, the axe head, it goes soaring through the air. Thankfully, it didn't decapitate his mate. But with a mighty splash, it landed in the dirty Jordan River. And it quickly sank to the bottom. And this poor student felt sick to the stomach instantly. What was he going to do? Now, a couple of things about this problem. You know, it's interesting that there's a law relating to damage caused by a rogue axe head. We find it recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. So this was not uncommon. There had been other cases of rogue axe heads now this is the other thing that we need to think about and this is important for us as we read this it's not that big of a deal for us okay who cares you lost an axe okay for us it would actually turn into a funny story okay you can imagine how this would be embellished okay over time i remember that time you're swinging the axe it flew off landed in the river okay once we realized no one got hurt we would think that's hilarious and then you and I, we lose the axe. What do we do? Okay, we go to Bunnings, we buy another axe. Or even better, as we're walking past the axes, we see chainsaws. Okay, so we buy a chainsaw. So for us today, it's not that big of a problem. But in this society, there wasn't an abundance of axes. And hence, this particular axe was actually borrowed. And now this student, he's devastated. Okay, he has no money to replace it. Okay, the owner's going to be cranky. Where's my axe? The student's going to have a debt that he needs to work off. You know, it'd be like an apprentice today. Okay, apprentices don't make much money. And the apprentice accidentally drops the boss's new laser level imported from Europe that's worth $40,000 into the river. Okay, that would not be a nice feeling. And that's closer to the situation here. 
And this poor student, credit to him, he doesn't deny it, he doesn't hide it, but he goes straight to Elisha and he pours out his heart. And I can imagine this poor student is quite upset as he explains the situation. Oh, he's not sure what he's going to do. Oh, you know, Elisha, I, I, I borrowed this axe and you're never going to believe uh, what, what happened. It flew off the handle and it landed in the middle of the river. And the, the owner, he's, he's going to be furious with me. I, I have no money to replace it. I'm going to have to work for this guy. And, and I might even have to drop out of profit school. What am I going to do? And as Elisha hears this, uh, he asks the student a question. He goes, well, where did the axe land? And, you know, perhaps the student was quite perplexed by the necessity of this question. You know, it's in the river. And yet he reluctantly shows him where it landed in the river. And, and Elisha, he cuts down a stick and he throws the stick in the direction of the axe. And it floats to the surface. Okay, I, I love the phrase in verse 6. It says, and the iron did swim. Don't you love that? The iron did swim. In case you don't know, axes don't swim. Axes don't float. But, but here, here, here is the axe coming up and it's floating on the surface. Now, what we need to understand is that this is a miracle. Okay, you know, some people try and ex explain this away. They're like, you know, Elisha, he, he just threw a stick and it happened to go into the, the handle hole in the axe head and he just pulled it up. Okay. Um, what do you think the chances of that happening are? Um, or, or some other people will say you had this massive stick and he just dragged it back to the shallow waters and, and picked it up. Um, okay, that's, um, that's interesting. Uh, or, or we could just say that uh, this was a miracle, that, that, that the Lord intervened and ensured that this crisis for this student was evaded. And no doubt this student was absolutely thrilled when he saw the axe. Relief must have flooded through him. He must have thanked Elisha repeatedly and praised the Lord for his kind intervention as he scooped up the floating axe that he thought was long gone. So that's the miracle. That's the account. But what does this have to teach us? Now, if you were to read uh, some commentaries there are some weird and wacky approaches to this particular story uh, some have developed quite complicated allegories okay this was one uh, the axe is sin the river is judgment and the stick is the cross okay, that's very preachable i could preach a wonderful gospel sermon on that problem is there's nothing in the text to permit that approach and if that's how we're going to approach the bible get okay, you can just allow your imagination to run wild and you can interpret it and apply it in any way that you please. Okay, so there's a real danger of interpreting scripture this way. Um, what one commentator said this, I thought it was quite funny. He said, you could interpret the shopping list your wife gave you allegorically, but I suggest that upon leaving the grocery store, you simply keep on driving out into the sunset and not bother to go home. I think there's some wisdom there then there are others who will moralize the text they will treat it like a proverb and they'll wax on lyrically about the perils of borrowing things okay you shouldn't borrow anything it'll end up in the river okay 
Um, or don't cut wood near the river. Okay, so don't cut wood near the river this week. Or maybe it's against building bigger buildings. Okay, they wanted a bigger building, so they lost the axe. Again, okay, the imagination can lead to all kinds of weird conclusions. So how should we understand this? Well, the lesson that this text is conveying is this. God cares about ordinary events and ordinary people. Okay, God cares about ordinary events and ordinary people. It's a very simple truth, and yet it's one that's astonishing. It's unfathomable, and it's completely life-altering. God cares about ordinary people like you and me, and he cares about the ordinary events in our life. You know, it's interesting that this particular miracle in 2 Kings chapter 6, it's sandwiched between the healing of Naaman. If you remember the, remember the story, okay, and he had, to, had leprosy, and he had to dip himself into the Jordan in order to be healed, and he was not happy about that because the Jordan's disgusting, and his rivers are, are much better. Okay, so if we drift back to chapter 5, we read of this, and understand Naaman, he was somebody. He, he was important he's like you know top five most important people in the world okay so, so that's his situation and then if we read on after this account can we read about military engagements god's deliverance in the face of formidable forces okay, so, so there are these scenes that concern international politics foreign affairs national crisis that there's all of these big and important matters and in them, we see God's involvement. We see God's intervention. But then right here in our accounts, we see that God cares about this unnamed Bible college student who lost an axe. Okay, he, he cares about this nameless individual and his seemingly small and insignificant problem. And the Lord acts, he's involved, he intervenes, even in this seemingly trivial matter. And that is amazing. You know, and for the original readers of this book, what would have this meant to them? Okay, we know that First and Second Kings was not completed till after Judah was in captivity in Babylon. So how would the exiles in Babylon hear this story some 300 years after Elisha? You know, one author offers this explanation. He says, in order to answer this question, we must link up chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, with the four stories in chapter 4. Okay, there are four miracles, one after another, after another. All these stories show the Lord delivering and helping the believing remnant in Israel. Here among the faithful minority were various folks, each with his or her own version of desperation, to whom the Lord brings his grace and help. Now how might such a testimony strike the people of Judah years later, who had lost their land and kingdom and had been carted off to Babylon? Could we not understand these stories, including the axe head, as an appeal to this people who had lost their way and had preferred apostasy to fidelity? Are they not saying Israel is... Here is the God available to you. Okay, here is the God who cares about even the small and trivial things 
of life. Okay, the, the, this is the God that you can have. Turn and seek him. Okay, in your desperation and understand Judah were in an incredibly desperate situation in captivity. Turn to him. Turn to this God. Okay, and he will bring grace and help. Why would you reject such a God? That, that is how they should have heard it as they read this account in captivity. Okay, and if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, that's the same message to you. Okay, you are pursuing other gods. You are rejecting Jesus. Why not come to the God of the Bible? Come to the one who is like none other. But the one who does great things. Great things like creating this world and creating you and sending his son to die on the cross for you. But he's also one who cares about small things like the missing axe. Okay, this is an appeal to stop rejecting such an awesome God. And I extend that challenge to you. Why do you continue to reject such a great God? But for those of us who are Christians, and this is my primary point, the Acts miracle is an encouragement for us. This is what it teaches us. God cares for us. God cares for us even though you and I are not well known. We're not powerful. We're not influential. And yet God cares for his children even here in, in Condal Park. He, he cares about what's happening in our lives. He cares about the day-to-day -day moments, the, the, the nitty-gritty of your life. Our God cares about ordinary people and the ordinary needs and problems that we endure. Now, yes, our God, he cares and he is involved in the big things that are happening in this world. Okay, he's involved in international politics and economics, in the Israel-Palestine conflict, in world hunger. Okay, he cares about those things. He's involved in those things. But understand, he also cares and is involved in what is happening in your life. Ordinary people like you and me okay we could say he cares about your axe head whatever that may be in your situation and we all have different situations you god cares about the struggles that you're currently experiencing at work or your struggle with loneliness or, or the situation that that has hurt you immensely or your health struggles he cares about your financial pressures that the tricky relational conflicts, the difficulty finding work, that the, the battle to balance all of the responsibilities of life, the mental health struggles, the, the desire to be married and have children, and, and so on and so forth. You fill in the blank. And, and even if other people think that, you know, those things don't really matter. Okay, if you ever poured out your heart to someone and you just feel like, the response you get back is, well, hey, that, that doesn't really matter. You know, treat them trivially. My friend, God is not like that. He's never like that. Okay, he cares for you and he cares for your situation. Okay, God's never too busy for you. He's not like that company CEO who has just run off their feet and can't attend to everything, so they just ignore your request. Okay, God's not like that. Understand if it matters to you, it matters to him. 
And, and you are invited, okay, get this, you are invited to bring these things to God and he will listen to you even if no one else will and he understands. Okay, that this is where Christianity is different to any other religion. Okay, the amazing thing about the God of the Bible is that Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. Jesus knows, he cares Okay, he knows what the concerns of life are like. Why? Because he has lived in this world. Okay, isn't that astonishing? J Jesus knows about the pressures of daily life. He understands our cares and our concerns. Okay, he's not someone who just doesn't get it. But he fully gets it because he has been through it. And hence he's kind and he's sympathetic toward us and he wants us to pour out all of our cares and concerns to him even if everyone else thinks they're small and insignificant jesus wants you to come to him he's always there for you even for those seemingly small and insignificant things and he will give you the grace you need no matter the outcome of the situation this is the greatness of our God. He's not only interested and involved in the big world events, but he's also involved and interested in the smallest details, in the smallest issues, in the nitty-gritty daily grind of your life. So, my friend, be encouraged. God cares about what's happening in your life god cares about ordinary needs and problems in the lives of ordinary people like you and me and we we have this invitation to pour out our hearts to him and hence we don't have to bear the burden alone no matter what the issue may be even if you lose your axe in the river Amen. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you and praise you for who you are. And uh, Lord, you are, you are a great God. And it's certainly uh, amazing uh, to, to think about this fact that, uh, that you care for us uh, in, in such an intimate way. Even the small, trivial, nitty-gritty things of life. Um, you, you care about those things. And, and we are able uh, to, to, to bring them uh, before you. This is a wonderful reality. I do pray that it would that would comfort um, our, our hearts and help us uh, throughout this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite Mark to lead us in the singing of our final.